0: And you can go ahead and be seated and join in prayer as you do. Lord God, we thank you that you are good, and true, and right, and just, and holy. We thank you that you are you, perfect in all your ways. We worship you, we trust you, and we want to live our lives pleasing to you. So Lord, would you teach us how to do that today? Teach us to live for you. One of the ways we live for you is in the way we speak and the way we talk to each other and the way we talk to our spouses and the way we talk to our children and grandchildren and the way we talk to our bosses and our employees and the way we talk to our neighbors and our friends and we need you. We need you because we, we talk a lot. We say a lot of words. And So Lord, would you help us? Would you show us how to use these tongues these vocal cords, these lips, for Your glory, for Your honor, for Your praise. So that we might truly use the gift of communication You have given us for Your honor, for Your glory in this world. Lord, thank You for Your church. Thank You for how You're building us up in unity. Lord, continue to do that through the power of Your Word this morning. Open Your Word with this anticipation that You will speak to us. We anticipate that when you speak to us, you will challenge us, you will convict us of our sin, and you will encourage us that you are good and that you're enabling us to do all that you've called us to do. Lord, we need your help this morning, right now. We pray for that help in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, join me in turning to James chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I hope you can find one of those hardback copies in the pew rack in front of you. I really want you to have this open. I want you to see uh, where I point to the text and what God is saying, because that's what really matters, what God says, not not what I say. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. James says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of God. May God etch its truth on our hearts and on our tongues. Well, our our ability to communicate with words, like I'm doing right now, is a majestic gift of God. Think about it. God designed human beings with a unique capability of speaking words that communicate what we think and feel and desire. We have the capacity to take what's inside of us and externalize it, to vocalize it. This is one of the things that distinguishes humans from every other creature, right? Cows can moo. Dogs bark, pigs oink, monkeys squeal, lions roar. Animals can make noises, but only humans can talk with words. This is one of the most clear ways we are created in God's image, right? God is a communicator. It is in God's very nature to communicate Himself. And so when He says, Genesis 1.26, that He created man in His own image, here's one of the things that that means. He's made us to reflect His image by giving us tongues and vocal cords that provide us the ability to express ourselves. Primarily, our tongues were created to praise and exalt our God and to invite others to do the same. Words exist so that God might be glorified and He might be seen, and that His purposes might be accomplished. However, the bad news is that sin has entered the world. And now every part of us has been corrupted by sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, our entire being was plunged into depravity. So that now, we delight in using our tongues to tear down instead of to build up. One clear evidence of the sinfulness of man, of the depravity of our hearts, is that we now use our God-given ability to communicate, to dishonor God, and to degrade people made in His very image. We curse and manipulate and slander and lie and flatter and blaspheme with our tongues. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to redeem us from our sin. He's come to reverse the power of the curse, the effects of the curse in our lives. Jesus died to free us from our sin and to enable us to use our tongues for the glory of God and for the good of God's creation. The Bible is filled with warnings, promises, and commands related to what we do say. From the Scriptures, you get the idea that the tongue is a very important part of our relationship with God. From the Scriptures, let me say that again, we get the idea that our tongues, what we say, is a very important part of our relationship with God. Let me give you some examples. The book of Proverbs contains about 60 warnings regarding the tongue. Remember, the book of Proverbs is all about wise living. How we live for God in this world with wisdom. Well, how do we live with wisdom? At least 60 warnings about what we say. For example, Proverbs 13.3, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Or Proverbs 21.23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. When Isaiah encountered the awesome holiness of God in Isaiah chapter 6, his first thoughts as he encountered the holiness of God in all of His majesty and beauty and glory, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. When Isaiah encountered the holiness of God, his first thought was, the sins of my speech are so evident, are so pervasive, this is how He characterized Himself. This is who I am. I'm a man of unclean speech. When Paul described the depravity of man in Romans chapter 3, his emphasis was on the depravity of our speech. This is what Paul said, None is righteous, no, not one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. King Jesus spoke often of the tongue. Matthew 15, 11, Jesus said, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Or one of the most frightening verses in all the Bible, Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak. This is King Jesus saying, we will give an account for every careless word that we speak. So just that brief survey of the importance of the tongue in the Bible, it shouldn't surprise us that James addresses the power of the tongue and our need to control what we say. Remember the point of James's letter is that our lives should match the reality of our confession. We can't claim that faith in Jesus and then live any way we please. If we believe in Jesus, our lives, including our tongues, will prove the genuineness of our faith or the lack of genuineness of our faith. Last week we saw in chapter 2 that Jesus hammers home, that James hammers home the point that faith works. Faith is active. Faith is busy. True faith manifests itself in a life of obedience to God. And so James is continuing this teaching by focusing on our words. You see, friends, words are works. Words are works. Works aren't just what we do, but also what we say. The genuineness of our faith will inevitably be demonstrated by our, spe- by our speech. Because what we say, as Jesus said, originates in our hearts. Our words simply reveal what is the true nature of our hearts. And this passage is so relevant because we say a lot. I've heard it estimated that we speak on average about 20,000 words Every single day. Communication with words is such an essential and important part of our lives. We are constantly talking or typing. And therefore, we need God to help us use our tongues in a way that pleases Him and in a way that serves others. And so this passage offers us a tremendous help to just understanding, to just coming to grips with the importance of our words. And so, let's dive into the text. Notice that James gives a warning to those who teach in verse 1. And then from that warning, he moves to some powerful reasons why we need to control our tongue. Why the tongue is so powerful. So verse 1 should be a sober warning to all of those who teach God's Word at any level. Notice verse 1 again. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Since teaching involves speech, involves the tongue, involves communicating, teachers should be warned, should be careful, because we will be judged with greater strictness. Jesus taught that to whom much is given, Much is required. Teachers have that special privilege and responsibility of communicating God's Word, but with this privilege carries this great weight, this great responsibility, and therefore, James says, this stricter judgment. Now, James's point in verse 1 is not to discourage people from using their God-given gifts for the good of the church, for teaching, and for upbuilding. Notice James says, not many should become teachers james does not say not any should become teachers but not many james's purpose is to impress upon us the seriousness of the task of teaching this task of teaching is so serious the entire church should be warned of its seriousness this is a role that is not to be taken lightly or carelessly everyone who teaches the Bible at any level should do so with the utmost seriousness, knowing that our words will be judged by a holy God. Praise God for the cross of Jesus. Otherwise, who could stand in this judgment? Now, after this stern warning in verse 1, James begins to address the power of the tongue. He gives us at least four aspects of the tongue that I think serve as reasons why we need to control our speech. And so let me highlight these four aspects of the tongue that James, that James gives us here and show you why the tongue is so powerful and therefore why we need to exercise self-control in what we say. Here's the first point. Number one, the tongue is small but powerful. The tongue is small but powerful. Notice verse 2, James says, For we all stumble in many ways. This is a statement of the pervasiveness of sin in our lives. Notice that James includes himself in this this statement. He says, we all, all of us, stumble in many ways. And then after this universal statement, James says, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. In other words, James is saying the tongue is so difficult to control that anyone who has mastered it must have mastered every other part of their life. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it has the power to control every part of our lives. One commentator said it this way. He said, get your words wrong and all else will be unraveled. Get them right, and the stage is set for growth in all the ways that please the Lord and bring blessing to your life. James is saying the tongue is small, but it's powerful. The tongue is just a couple pounds in your mouth, but it is powerfully influential over the entire course of your life. It's clear this is the point James is making because of the three illustrations that he uses in verses 3-5. through five. In verse 3, James uses the illustration of bits that are put into the mouths of horses. Now, I don't know a lot about horses, but I know they're very large and very powerful animals. And yet, they are controlled by a comparatively tiny bit that is placed in their mouth. This small bit has the power to control An entire massive horse. James' second illustration is in verse 4. James urges us to think about large ships. A large and powerful ship is controlled by a relatively small rudder. A pilot can steer a large ship by simply controlling the rudder. The rudder is very small, but it controls the entire ship's direction. A contemporary illustration might be the steering wheel on a car. A steering wheel is small and relatively inexpensive compared to the entire car, and yet it controls the entire direction of the vehicle. James gives another illustration of this point at the end of verse 5. James says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. A large forest fire is started by a very small spark. In fact, it's believed that one of the most devastating fires in history, the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, it killed hundreds of people. It burned four square miles of the city. It is believed that it was started by just a small lantern being tipped over. A spark is small, but powerful. Notice how James drives this home point at the beginning of verse 5. He says, "...so also..." The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. See, James is raising our awareness to the power and influence and importance of our words. We are not to just view our words as insignificant, as trivial to our lives. Our words are this powerful. They can accomplish great things which is why we must learn to bridle them, to control our tongues. What we say can bring great blessing to others in this world. Listen, with our words, we can heal relationships. With our words, we can breathe life into difficult marriages. With our words, we can build our children and grandchildren With our words, we can bandage wounds and set captives free. With just a few encouraging words, we can bring refreshment to a weary soul. The tongue is small, but it is powerful. James wants us to see the disproportionate power of the tongue. Don't treat what you say as unimportant. Your tongue is your steering wheel. Your tongue is that spark Your tongue is that bit that controls your entire life. Our words are powerful and if we use our words for God's purposes, we can powerfully bring glory to God and powerfully do good to others. And so James says the tongue is small, but it can do great good. It can be powerful for doing good. But here's the second truth, the second point that I want you to see. The tongue can be incredibly destructive. The tongue can be incredibly destructive. And so this second point is really just an expansion of the first point. The tongue is powerful and can be used for good, but the tongue can also be used for great harm. It is small but can can cause incredible destruction. James says the tongue is a weapon of mass destruction. It is capable of doing more damage than an atomic bomb. Remember as children we were taught, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Friends, nothing can be further from the truth. Broken bones heal faster than the wounds caused by our words. We all know the pain, the sting of hurtful words from others. A small spark can can destroy an entire forest. And in verse 6, James says, the tongue is a fire. And that's about the least offensive thing James says about the tongue. He goes on to say some shocking things about our tongue in verse 6. He says, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. He says the tongue is an entire system of depravity and sin. It is a world of unrighteousness in your mouth. Think of your tongue. Your tongue. James says that your tongue is filled with unrighteousness. My tongue is a world of depravity. He also says the tongue stains our entire body. He says our tongues set our entire lives on fire. Our tongues get us in trouble and our tongues affect every area of our lives. Notice where James says the destructive nature of the tongue originates. Into verse 6. Where does the destructive nature of the tongue come from? He says it is set on fire by hell. The destruction caused by our tongues originates in the pits of hell. Try to visualize this. Can you see if if an artist was given the task of rendering this literally? What What would this look like if someone drew this word picture? I can just imagine it. Someone's mouth open to reveal it. Their tongue completely engulfed in flames with the devil himself Frolicking in our mouths. Is this the way you view your words? Like according to James, the destructive, hurtful, lying, gossiping words that we speak come from hell itself. Hell is their origin. We are doing the devil's work when we don't control what we say. And James doesn't even stop there. At the end of verse 8, notice what James says about our tongue. He says, our tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The evil of our tongue never rests. At any moment of any day, our words are ready to spew forth this deadly poison. James is comparing our tongues to a deadly cobra, ready to destroy by injecting venom into others. You see what James is doing, he's piling up these word pictures to awaken us to the incredibly destructive possibility of what we say. And all of us have sinned with our tongues. Our tongues are full of filthy evil and depravity. One word of gossip, whether true or not, one word of slander, one lie can spread around the world like wildfire today and do Irreparable damage to individuals' lives. The tongue is like a wrecking ball, leaving and leveling everything in its path, leaving it in rubble. How many of us have known the destruction that our tongues can do in a local church? I think one of Satan's most often used means of damaging the testimony of Jesus in a community is by getting church members to lie and slander and gossip and insult and ridicule each other. Take notice of what James says in chapter 4, verse 11. So look over in chapter 4. We're in chapter 3. Look over in chapter 4, verse 11. Could this not be any clearer? James says, do not... Speak evil against one another, brothers. Do not speak evil against your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Never, ever, never speak words against another Christian. Friends, I know it feels good to put other people down. It makes us feel so much better about ourselves. But it is an offense to God. And it destroys the testimony of Jesus. James says we need to guard our words because our words can be incredibly destructive. Our our words can cause great harm in this world. Here's the third point I want you to see. Number number three, the tongue is humanly untamable, James says. James says realize this about your tongue. It is humanly untamable. Notice verses 7 and 8. James says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so James invites us to consider the wild animals of this earth. Consider what you've seen at the circus. Huge tigers doing exactly what their masters tell them to do. Massive elephants kneeling and begging for food. Or consider what you've seen at SeaWorld dolphins jumping through hoops, killer whales playing with children, sea lions dressed up in costumes acting out plays. Consider the snake charmer who plays his flute and tames the deadly snake. Mankind has figured out how to tame the most powerful creatures on this earth. But James says, no man has figured out how to tame the tongue. Now, I agree with Augustine, who was one of the first to point out that when James says, no man can tame the tongue, that's the literal rendering. I know ESV says no human being. But it's literally, no man can tame the tongue. Augustine said, James is making a point when he says that. James is not saying that the tongue cannot be tamed by anyone, but that the tongue cannot be tamed by man. James is making clear that when the tongue is tamed, it is God's doing, not our own. Only God can tame the tongue because only God can change our hearts. And so James is telling us to do something that we cannot do ourselves. The point of this whole Section is to get us to control our words. But James says, you can't do it by yourself. You cannot tame your own tongue. You see, it's not just difficult to tame the tongue. James says, it's impossible. And therefore, friends, we must cast ourselves on the mercy of God and run to our Savior. Friends, have you ever realized this? Every command in the Bible is ultimately designed to help us see how badly we need Jesus. Every command exists to show us how much we need a Savior. God intentionally commands us to do things that He knows we cannot do on our own. And He does so out of love for us in order that we might realize and realize just how inadequate we are, just how insufficient we are, and we might realize... Quickly, just how Christ is sufficient for us. That He is all that we need. And so James' intention is to help us see that the filthiness and evil and depravity of our tongues is just how badly we need a Savior. James isn't telling us this so that we can all go to the restroom after this and wash our mouths out with soap. As fun as that would be. But he's telling us this so that we might plunge ourselves in the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins because sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains the tongue is humanly untamable only god can tame our tongues well here's the fourth and final point i want you to see in the text and it's this the tongue is inconsistent the tongue is inconsistent you need to know this about your tongue it is inconsistent. And so verses 9 and 10 I think are among the most discouraging of this entire passage and we've seen some discouraging things already. But look at what James says in verses 9 and 10. He says, with it, that is with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Can you hear the disappointment in James's tone? James is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. The tongue is so inconsistent. We come in here and we sing about the glory of Jesus and then we use that same tongue that we sang so passionately to Jesus We use that same tongue to slander and belittle and condemn and curse people made in the likeness of God. Notice that James again uses illustrations. James is a master illustrator. He uses illustrations again in verses 11 and 12 to highlight his point. These illustrations are designed to reveal just how ridiculous the sins of our tongue really are. Think about how absurd it is, James says, to praise God one minute and then go lie the next minute. It is as absurd as imagining a single spring pouring forth both fresh water and salt water at the same exact time. It's as absurd as imagining a single tree bearing two different kinds of fruit. James says the inconsistency of the tongue is a freak of nature. It's a freak of nature. Nowhere else in all of creation do you find this kind of inconsistency. Springs either produce salt water or fresh water, not both. Fig trees only bear figs, not olives, and grapevines do not produce figs. Can you imagine going to a spring one day and finding fresh, cool, drinkable water and then returning the next day only to find brackish, lukewarm, salty water? It's ridiculous. God has created the tongue to be an instrument of praise and an instrument of building people up and yet we use it to lie and gossip and slander and criticize and insult and ridicule and exaggerate and tear down. Remember Ephesians 4.29? We looked at it just a couple weeks ago. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. How much corrupting talk can come out? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We are to use our tongues to praise God and we are to use our tongues to impart grace to those who hear. We are not to use our tongue to curse others made in the image of our God. We must control our tongues because they are so prone to inconsistency. Because they're so prone to inconsistency, we must set a guard over our lips that we might only speak what is good for building up. And so ask yourself some penetrating questions as we as we think about our words, as we think about the power of our tongue. Ask yourself some questions. Do you use clean language? Or is your language impure and foul? Do you speak the truth or do you lie? Do you justify little white lies? Do you exaggerate the truth to make yourself look good? Do you speak well of others? Let me ask that question another way Do you speak well of others even when they're not around? Do you participate in gossip or the spreading of rumors? Do you complain and grumble about others? Does your speech glorify your Creator? I pray that God would make us a community of people who control our tongues by His grace for His glory. So let me close with four brief thoughts of application all surrounding just how badly we need God's grace in this moment. Number one, we need to repent. Whenever we encounter a text like this, the first response is repentance. We all stumble in many ways, James says. And so ask God to show you the ways that you have used your words in unholy ways. Ask God to show you where you have You've used your sword, Proverbs says, "Like a you use your words like a sword that you just swing around, just, just destroying everyone in your path. To repent means to acknowledge your sin, but it also means to turn away from it. And so confess the depravity of your tongue and confess your desire for God to sanctify your tongue, to help you use your tongue in a way that pleases Him and builds others up. So, turn in repentance. We need to repent. Secondly, we need each other. We need each other in this church. This is one of the areas that fellow brothers and sisters, the church can help each other. We can help each other a lot. Like, let me just say again, I've said this so so many times in so many different areas, but I need your help, church. I need your help, particularly in relation to this, to control my tongue. Please, I invite you if anyone in this room, if any member of this church ever hears me say anything that is not glorifying to God, that is not building others up, I invite you, please confront me on that. Please come tell me that you heard me say something that is not honoring and glorifying to God. And listen, I say when that happened, not if, because I know I will. And I hope you'll go to others in this room and you'll say that exact same thing. Say that in community group. Guys, help me. I need your help. You ever hear me say anything to my wife, to my children, to uh, people at work, to people in my neighborhood, to people on the ball field, to people at school, to wherever it is, you ever hear me say anything that dishonors God? I need you to help confront me because that's one of the ways that we're going to grow in this. That's one of the ways that we're going to help one another. And so, if this is a particular struggle for you, if there's like a particular way in your life that you struggle with sins of the tongue, go. Today, tell one or two other church members where you struggle with this. Ask them to hold you accountable. Ask them to ask you how that's going in your life. We can really help one another in this. And so we need each other. Third, we need God to sanctify us. We need God to sanctify us. But one of the most clear applications of this passage is that we need God to change our hearts. Remember, Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth is what's coming from the heart. And therefore, we need God to change us at the deepest levels of our life. Listen, we need a daily cry out to God that he would change us in such a way that he would, it would impact our words and how we speak day to day. When's the last time you prayed for God to sanctify your tongue? Like This is a prayer we should be praying every day. Thinking about how many words we use. Thinking about how many people we encounter with communication day in and day out. like This should be one of the first cries every day as we're driving to work, as we're getting up, as we're about to wake up our family. God, help me. I need You to sanctify my tongue. Use my tongue today to bring honor to You and to build others up. This is what David prayed, Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Or Psalm 141, verse 3. You might want to jot this down to memorize this. Psalm 141, 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Great prayer to pray every morning. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And then finally, number four, we need Jesus. We need Jesus because the ultimate goal of this passage is to remind us of just how badly we need a Savior. So let no one despair this morning. Lots of conviction from this text, lots of conviction from the book of James, but I pray no one despairs this morning. Let no one leave feeling condemned under the weight of their sin this morning because the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life this is He never wants sin with his tongue. No deceit was ever found in his mouth, and in his death, he bore the wrath that our sins deserve. All our sinful speech, the world of unrighteousness that is in our mouth, was laid on Jesus. Our tongues have been nailed to the bloody cross of our Savior. And so run to Christ this morning. Find hope and peace and forgiveness and joy and redemption in Jesus alone because He is the all-sufficient Savior who says, come to Me. and You'll find rest and you'll find forgiveness and you'll find joy like you've never known it before. And So bring all of that guilt. Bring all of that conviction. Bring all of that sin. Bring all of that depravity and bring it to Jesus because He is a perfect Savior who can forgive you of all your sins and who can make you clean and who can sanctify you and fit you for his presence and for his kingdom for all eternity. And so let's run to Jesus right now. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We need you in every way, but we need you in particular because we are sinners and we have sinned in particular in what we have said and what we have not said We have sinned in the ways we've talked to each other. We've sinned in the ways that we've lied and exaggerated. And we've sinned in our harshness and in our judgmental attitudes and in our complaining. We have sinned against You. And we pray for forgiveness. We thank You that if we confess our sins, You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, sanctify our tongues. Sanctify us so that we might use these tongues and these vocal cords and these lips to bring glory to Your name and to build Your people up. Thank You for this gift. Help us to use it for You. We pray in Your great name. Amen.